Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Xander's Facts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Xander's Facts. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander, and this week, for our podcast on Wednesday, June 8th, we are dropping another ZF flashback, a Xander's Facts flashback, taking a look at a past episode of this podcast that had some important information that you might want to know. We are taking a look at episode 28, Code Red for Humanity. That's our big climate change episode that we did back in August of last year. So we're going to listen to that segment in just a minute. But before we get to that, I've got a big announcement for the Xander's Facts podcast or how you can listen to the Xander's Facts podcast because we are introducing, as of this week, a new way you can listen to every episode of the podcast. We've got, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, all that stuff. You can listen on YouTube with the nice background. Now, we are adding Substack capabilities. And you know Substack because that's where Xander's Weekend Facts is housed, which comes out every Sunday morning. You should sign up for that in the description below. But also, on that same page, xandersfacts.substack.com, you can now listen to the podcast because that is now where the Xander's Facts podcast is being hosted. You have to have a podcast host to be able to place the podcast on all the different directories and platforms or wherever. No one cares. So now we are hosting on Substack. So along with Sanders Weekend Facts, which you can read, you can listen to the podcast on Substack. And now what you can also do is sign up with your email on that same website, on the Xander's Weekend Facts website, on the Substack website, you could sign up with your email so that every Wednesday morning, when a new podcast drops, you're going to get an email that says, there's a new episode of the podcast, go listen. So now you can get a reminder in your email every Wednesday morning when the podcast comes out. So you'll never miss an edition of Xander's Facts. How about that? So something new, you can listen to the podcast on Substack where Xander's Weekend Facts is. You can listen on the app, the Substack app, which you can download. And of course, you can listen on Apple, Spotify, all those things that you already listen to the podcast too. So just another way to listen to Xander's Facts. So that is the big announcement for the podcast this week on a Xander's Facts Flashback Week, which we are about to get to. But before we do, I just want to remind you that if you think you're going to like the facts on this week's edition of the podcast, if you've liked all the facts that we've had, on all the previous 65 episodes of the podcast, remember to follow this podcast, download, rate the podcast, review the podcast, go on all your socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Xander's Facts is there, that's Xander with a Z, and most importantly, tell all your friends, spread the facts, Xander's Facts Podcast, and remember, you can also listen to the podcast on YouTube on the Xander's Facts YouTube channel. So, I just wanted to say that after the Xander's Facts flashback segment, stay tuned because we got some more stuff. Talk about the NBA Finals, the U.S. Men's National Team. We're going to give updates on those two after the Xander's Facts flashback. But without further ado, let's get to it. Episode 28 of this podcast from back in August of last year. We are talking climate change on another edition of Xander's Facts flashback. Xander's Facts. We're going to start by talking about everyone's favorite, the weather. No, no, not! Because the weather's been kind of rough recently. Here in Virginia, 
It has been above 90 degrees for the last few days. It's hot and sunny. And it rained today. It was the first time it rained in two weeks. And currently, where I am, we are in a moderate drought, which is not that great. And last year, where I was in, we had record flooding that caused a ton of damage to businesses in my town. And now we've got a drought, even though we just got a rainstorm today. So in fact, as of Thursday, August 5th, that's last week, 55% of Virginia is under some kind of drought. That's mostly Western Virginia. The Eastern half has actually gotten rain, but that's not nearly as bad as what is happening out West. No, no, no. Uh-oh. So taking a look at the drought map, which is provided by NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the West region, they break them into regions. The West region is comprised of the states of California, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, Nevada, Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico, ton of states. And currently, only 1.5% of the land in those states combined is not under some kind of drought. Yikes! Currently, 95% is under a moderate drought, 88% of that area is under a severe drought, and 64% is under an extreme drought, and 26% is under exceptional drought, which is as high as it gets. Every single state that I mentioned in that region, except for New Mexico, is entirely covered by drought. In California, 88% is under extreme drought, and 46% of California is under exceptional drought. As I said, as high as it gets. Whoa. But that's not all. In the Northern Plains, they're dealing with significant drought too in Colorado, Wyoming, the Dakotas, even Minnesota. And if you want to know if you're under a drought, I linked the U.S. Drought Monitor into the episode's description. It's the first link on there. And then back to California, because they've got, with along with the drought, it's wildfire season, and they've got a bunch of wildfires, including the Dixie Fire, which is in the Sierra Nevada right now in Northeast California. That has grown to become the second largest wildfire in the history of California, and as of Monday, was only 21% contained and con has consumed 489,287 acres. The only wildfire that has been larger in California's history was the complex fire last year, which consumed over a million acres. And that just adds on to already one of the worst wildfire seasons that the West has ever seen. One that many in California said was already off to an early start back in May, and in mid-July had consumed three times as much land as the same time last year in 2020. And 2020 brought the worst wildfire season that California had ever seen. 4.1 million acres of land had been burned last year. Whoops. And it's worse this year. And it's not just in the U.S. If you haven't heard, there's a massive wildfire burning right now in Greece on the Greek island of Evia. That is one of just hundreds that have appeared over the last few weeks in Greece. In Japan, they had to rush all the outdoor competitions in the Olympics. They had to finish them earlier than scheduled because two tropical storms were about to hit the islands. In the Caribbean, there's a tropical storm that's moving its way towards the Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, and the Dominican Republic, where tropical storm warnings have been issued for the coming days. 
And if the system develops, it would be the sixth named storm of the Atlantic hurricane season, Fred. And the cone of uncertainty right now puts South Florida, Miami, in the storm's track for Saturday. And typically, the third named storm of the Atlantic hurricane season forms on August 13th, and the fifth named storm of the 2021 season, Elsa, the one before this, set a record for the earliest formation of a fifth named storm into the season last month. Fat! So that's all that's going on in the weather right now. Why did I just mention all those to you? Why would you do this to me? Well, because on Monday, we found out something interesting. We got a new report from the United Nations specifically the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is an intergovernmental body of the United Nations. They released their sixth assessment report. A collection of the world's leading climate scientists relied on more than 14,000 studies from around the globe to update the world, us, on the latest understandings of the physical science on Guess what? Climate change. Oh, what are we going to talk about this week? Ugh. You guessed it. Climate change. Is it real? Is it not? We don't know. Actually, we do know. Because the report said that we do know, and that it is real. The panel found in their report that there is no remaining scientific doubt that humans are fueling climate change. Sorry, Donnie boy, but it is happening. They say it is, quote, unequivocal that human influence has warmed atmosphere, ocean, and land, unquote. And looking back over centuries and thousands of years, the changes brought to the climate system that we have right now are unprecedented. Scientists say that the last time the carbon dioxide levels on Earth changed at this much of a rate was 66 million years ago, which was when the meteor that killed the dinosaurs struck. So, and that... Didn't turn out too well for the living organisms on Earth. Most of them. That's blasphemy! Eh, that doesn't sound too good. And the report also outlined how human-induced climate change is currently affecting the climate and our everyday weather across the globe, including the events that I mentioned earlier. The wildfires, the hurricanes, well, the tropical storms right now, but the hurricanes, the droughts, the excessive rainfall, all of it! Spitting the truth! And there's more, too. The ice... Caps are melting. And since 1850, each of the past four decades has been successively warmer than any preceding it. Carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere have not been this high in two million years. The oceans are turning acidic. That's not good. Sea levels are rising. That's not good. Arctic ice is evaporating. That's not good. And weather-related disasters continue to increase in size and numbers, like tornadoes, too. We're seeing more tornadoes! That's not good, because they destroy your homes. Really? This report was 1,300 pages. It was huge. And don't worry, I did not read it all. However, I did read a 45-about-page summary that outlined everything that was in it. So I'll tell you what was in the report. Beyond that... Here we go! The report outlines the current state of the climate, what the future could entail for us, what is driving a rise in greenhouse gases, and what we can do to help limit future changes. Maybe not you specifically, but us as a people, as a world, can do. So, you may have seen the title of this podcast, Code Red for Humanity. Wonder why that is? Well, 
The Secretary General of the United Nations had something to say about that. The findings, he said, were so horrific that he described them as a, quote, code red for humanity, unquote. There you go. How about that? He said, we must find ways to limit warming as much as possible, saying, quote, there is no time for delay and no room for excuses, unquote. That is true. And the Biden administration's special envoy for climate and former Secretary of State when the Paris Accord was passed, we'll talk about that in a second, your boy, John Kerry, said real action is what the world now requires, saying, quote, we can get to the low carbon economy we urgently need, but time is not on our side, unquote. And the report's findings outline how, how much time has been wasted and that much is not left to reverse the current trend. So as I mentioned, in 2015, the Paris Climate Accord which you may know about, was signed by over 170 nations, including the U.S., that set a goal to prevent global temperatures from rising by no more than 2 degrees Celsius, that's 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit, by the end of the century, by the year 2100. And then, when your boy Donnie became POTUS, he said, I don't think so, and we backed out. But now, because we got a good guy in, Joey B, we're back in it. Hooray. Cool facts, bro. Many nations, however, argued at the time, especially island nations, that a 1.5 degree Celsius goal should be taken to act more aggressively. However, the report states, not the Paris Climate Accord, the report that just came out on Monday states that the Earth has already warmed more than 1 degree Celsius since the pre-industrial age and could pass the 1.5 degree Celsius mark by the early 2030s. The pre-industrial age is before the mid-1700s or so, before we started getting all these factories that started polluting. That's a good measurement we have because after we started polluting, then we put all this carbon dioxide in the air and then it all just got janky. So that's a lot. When you see the one degree Celsius or the one and a half degree Celsius or two degrees Celsius, that's what they're talking about is the increase from the pre-industrial age to now. In order to have an even chance of limiting warming to one and a half degrees Celsius, which is 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit. The report says that humans can only unleash less than 500 additional gigatons of carbon dioxide, which is the equivalent of around 10 years of current global emissions. Good to know. Any additional warming beyond two degrees Celsius could bring... Here it comes! What they are calling doomsday scenarios to the globe doomsday terrible what are they let's talk about it because the report states many ways that the climate changing getting warmer can affect us in the future it states that unless we have deep reductions in carbon dioxide co2 and other gas emissions in the air occur in the coming decades global warming is going to shoot past one and a half degrees Celsius and two degrees Celsius. And then we get the doomsday scenarios. And that's not very good. It's true. This could lead to increases in the frequency and intensity of heat waves, which we have seen across the West right now. We're seeing one millions and millions of people in the country right now in the United States are seeing temperatures over 100 degrees. It's the hottest it's been in a while right now where I am in Virginia. It's pretty hot. We could see more of those. And heat waves could get hotter, heavy precipitation, droughts, hurricanes and cyclones, 
and it would reduce the sea ice in the Arctic, snow cover, and permafrost in high elevations and in areas near the poles. So, as I said, heat waves that have already ravaged the West Coast this year, not just California, the Pacific Northwest too, areas where they don't have air conditioning, and it's been really rough. Man, that was rough. These heat waves could become as much as 5 degrees Fahrenheit hotter on average. So what you saw, if you live out in the West, this earlier this summer, add 5 degrees onto that on average. It's going to be a little rough. This is also going to cause more and more heat to be absorbed into the oceans. And right now, a way that the Earth is actually helping slow the pace of warming is by heat getting absorbed into the oceans. The water cycle. Whoa! Huh. However, when we put excess heat into the ocean, it's not as effective at doing the job as it has been. So that could hinder our efforts, kind of, if warming continues to help limit warming. The ice caps in the Arctic will continue to melt, rising sea levels to a potential of more than six feet, six feet, that could devastate coastal communities in the coming decades, like Miami. In South Florida, they have flooding on days where it is perfectly sunny outside. Areas like New York, the Hampton Roads in Virginia, all these coastal communities could be devastated by a six feet rise in the sea level. That'd be bad. It could trigger the collapse of the Greenland ice sheet, which we desperately need, and would destroy the world's coral reefs. Oops. Those things are pretty. You want to get rid of those? Apparently. And many of these changes would be irreversible for centuries, including the rise in sea levels and the loss of those ice sheets in the Arctic, which would increase the sea levels if they melted. So basically, what has led to these developments? How did we get here? Well, the climate has gone through ages of warmth and cold, like the Ice Age before. But nothing of this magnitude, much of it, can relate to the Industrial Age, as I said, beginning in the mid to late 1700s that brought the rise in factories that released carbon dioxide and pollution, and then eventually in Europe everything got smoggy, and they were like, why is everything smoggy? Oh, maybe it's the factories we found out 200 years later. This has continued up until today, and probably past today, as the levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere continue to increase. Scientists of the report claim that the intense fires and heat waves that we're experiencing across the globe would be almost impossible, that's what they said, in a world unaltered by human activities. The increasing thirstiness of the air, is what they're calling it, has risen by warming. And we can tell these are changing the way our climate works because we're seeing more extreme weather events. They are becoming more common. Hurricanes are getting stronger. They're getting more frequent. We're getting stronger tornadoes that are destroying more things. They're getting more common. We're seeing larger wildfires out west. We're seeing larger drought seasons out west. We're seeing lakes evaporate. Uh, you probably heard of the Hoover Dam's Lake, Lake Mead, out in the west, which is drying up. But there's also lakes apparently in Siberia and Iran, over on the other side of the world that are drying up. It's everywhere. We're watching all these events become more common. We're watching the Arctic sea ice levels continue to dwindle. And you can notice that the famous cherry trees in Japan, they keep blossoming 
earlier and earlier because of climate change. It's all true! So, what exactly can we do to help limit the warming of the Earth and prevent these disasters, Xander? Because I'm freaking out! Well... I don't know. I will tell you, the report notes... That we are entering what they say is, quote, uncharted territory, unquote, because we have never seen these types of events, and we've never seen this type of warming play out in modern human history. I told you the last time something like this happened, where the carbon levels in the atmosphere changed as much as they did, was when the dinosaurs became extinct. And that was a long time ago. How'd that go? So they give us... A best case scenario is what they're calling it, which is basically the best we can hope for at the moment. The report requires in the best case scenario that the world needs to rapidly phase out fossil fuels and needs to embrace renewable energy on a massive scale and overhaul how humans work, eat, and travel. Overhaul your life. Which uh, probably need to happen because you probably emit a lot of fumes. This would require the elimination of emissions of carbon dioxide from coal, oil, and gas. And curb powerful but short-lived greenhouse gases like methane, which comes from cows and leaky fossil fuels. And nitrous oxide, which comes from farm fertilizers. Apparently farms and agriculture is a big producer of greenhouse gases, which is not good. This would require natural systems like forests and new human inventions like carbon capture operations to pull carbon dioxide from the atmosphere so we can take back some of that carbon dioxide that we have released into the atmosphere so it doesn't mess it up even further. It's a fact. This scenario would have us reach net zero emissions across the world by 20 50 with warming stabilizing at one and a half degrees celsius as glaciers would stop shrinking and sea levels would rise slower than before they would still rise that's the best case scenario that's cool however this would create a new planet basically that us humans would have to adapt to we got to change our way of life in order to accommodate the planet or else we're screwed That's what it says. And with warming at 2 degrees Celsius, this is moving on from the best case scenario, air would hold more moisture than it can currently. It would create more extreme droughts and it would create more extreme rainfall events. At 4 degrees Celsius, now we're at 4, intense heat waves that used to occur every 50 years would become annual. You hear about the once in a thousand years flood that happens every year now. I mean, that's basically because of climate change. True that! The report says that any warming over 2 degrees Celsius, if we get hotter than that, it could also increase the risk of setting off feedback processes that can cause climate change to accelerate. So once we get past that 2 degrees Celsius mark, it could shoot up. Because the increase in average temperatures in the Arctic could cause permafrost to to thaw, which is not good. Because that would unleash carbon that has been frozen for thousands and thousands of years in the ice, out into the atmosphere. It would unveil methane that has been stuck in the deep sea forever. Too many facts. And that's not good for the atmosphere. It would cause more wildfires that could also turn millions of acres into carbon-rich forests, 
which would add a source of greenhouse gases, which are not good, and they would all impact air quality around the world and allow it to continually get worse. We already have air quality alerts everywhere, especially in big cities. And now we might make them more common. Disgusting! So, as I said, in that best case scenario, we've already looked at sea levels are going to continue to rise. So what has been permanently changed? There are some things that we have changed that are going to continue to change that we can do everything we can right now and they will continue to go in a bad direction. They cannot be changed now. The report highlights that decades and centuries of increasing emissions and warming temperatures have caused seasonal snow cover across the northern hemisphere to shrink and that it will continue. Like on the tall mountains of California, they're seeing less and less snow cover each year. The sea levels, as I mentioned, are also going to continue to rise. Yet the amount is going to be determined by our efforts to curb emissions in the atmosphere. We're also going to see these extreme weather events. They are almost destined to continue throughout the next century as well. However, how these impact humans is going to depend on what actions we take to curb climate change now and in the future. Bold move there. There are ways, as I mentioned, to reduce and eliminate the future emission of greenhouse gases, as well as ways to pull carbon out of the atmosphere. We just gotta come up with that stuff. However, the report notes that these efforts will require huge amounts of time and energy that has never been seen before towards these causes. So, oh, let's take a breath because that was all a little bit much. I'll be honest with you. Slow down there. It outlined a bunch of actions though we can take to help stop these measures, which a lot of hopefully politicians and leaders are going to abide by and look at because in 2015, when we signed that Paris Climate Accord, the US and 170 other nations, the goal, as I said, was two degrees Celsius, and it does not require those nations to take the steps outlined to get to those goals, but it definitely recommends them, which means countries, the largest emitters, like China and the US. Sanders spreading lies. And Russia, the largest countries. Don't have to do any of that, but they signed this treaty or accord saying that they would, so... You know. You dummy. We really haven't. I mean, the last four years were pretty bad. We didn't do anything. In fact, there was a ton of deregulation on coal, oil, gas, all that stuff. Non-renewable resources because apparently coal is clean and beautiful. That's what I was told. But apparently that's not true. What do you say? And of course, the last administration pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord back in 2017 or what was it? However... Of course, we came back into it this year with our boy, Joe Biden, the president. He recommitted to the Paris Climate Accord this year. However, committing doesn't mean squat if you don't do the actions that the accord tells you to do to limit global warming. That's a whole other issue. This is where actually the new infrastructure bill that was just passed on Tuesday by the Senate, hooray, Yep, helps. It invests in clean energy sources like wind, solar, geothermal, and hydro, 
and it increases funds for electric cars, tax credit for electric cars if you're going to buy one. It increases funds for electric car charging stations so you can charge your car. Hopefully, the goal would be to have electric car charging stations replace gas stations. Everywhere there was a gas station, there could be an electric car charging station. And the thing with electric cars is you can even charge them in your home. Wow. That's pretty cool. So we may not even need all those because then you could charge it at your home. How about that? Slater's facts. Yet the findings of the report are undoubtedly grim. And that was acknowledged by the lead author of the report, Claudia Tibaldi, who is a scientist at the Pacific Northwest National Laboratory. This report is one of several that the panel has been commissioned to provide over the next several years that is hopefully going to guide those in power around the world on what steps to take to avoid future disaster, like the ones we outlined before. Because sea level rise, more heat waves, more droughts, wildfires, hurricanes, tropical storms, severe thunderstorms. We, I mean, we like rain, but we don't like it when it comes down at, you know, you get five inches of rain an hour. That's not good. And then you get severe winds that destroy your buildings and homes. And that's not good. And tornadoes are bad too. Like all that stuff is bad. Awful. We could be at an increased risk. We'd be living in another world, basically, in the climate if we continue to just keep emitting, emitting, emitting. And if we just keep emitting, 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 we're going to get rid of these non-renewable resources. Then we're not going to have any coal or oil or natural gas or gas left. And we're going to be like, what are we going to do? That's why we should transfer over to wind, solar, hydrogeothermal, because wind's not going to go away. The sun, hopefully, is not going to go away. Water, hopefully, is not going to go away. The ground's not going to, hopefully, go away. So... Those things are renewable energy resources that we can use instead of coal and gasoline and all that stuff that is terrible for the environment. And it makes you sick. So it's terrible for you too. So we need to get rid of all this. And if you'd like to see this report, if you actually like to read, it's 1,300 pages, but they also have like a 45-page summary, which I read and I recommend if you want to learn more about it. That has been linked in the episode's description. That's the second link at ipcc.ch is what it says on the link in this episode's description. So check it out because that is what's going on in the climate right now. It's not good. Duh. But... We've got ways where we can help mitigate and curb its effects. We can't undo it right now. That's The report says we've done damage. However, the amount of damage that we can do can be limited by our actions right now. So hopefully we can get some action. Not just by the U.S., but by other countries, too. And apparently there's going to be a big conference in Scotland in November, I believe, that is going to be focusing on climate change. So hopefully something can be done there. Xander's Facts! So there you have it, our Xander's Facts flashback for this week, talking about climate change. And at the end, I mentioned there was going to be a big conference in November. There was actually, the COP26 conference that happened in Europe back in November of 2021. 
a bunch of countries grouped together to talk about a bunch of climate change initiatives. They agreed to some initiatives, which I actually included a BBC link, which talks about those initiatives. So if you want to learn more about that, read that link, which I included in this episode's description. We are not done with this podcast. I have got two updates in the sports world to talk about. Ugh. First, the NBA Finals, because those are going on. If you didn't listen to our podcast last week, we had our Xander's Facts NBA analyst, Hillbilly, who, along with myself, predicted that the Warriors were going to win the Finals in six games. We'll see about that. But the first two games have been very entertaining, especially Game 1, which happened last week on Thursday. From San Francisco, Golden State, the Warriors are facing the Celtics from Boston in the NBA Finals this year. And Golden State was favored in that game. They were leading for most of that game. But in the fourth quarter, Boston erupted. Golden State could not hit anything. Boston ended up winning that game by 12 points in San Francisco in Game 1. It was the first time in 14 home Game 1s that the Warriors lost at home. It's the truth. In a game one, the Celtics beat them. And everyone was like, oh, because the Warriors were favored at the beginning of the series. Everyone said, uh-oh, Celtics might win this one. It might not be close. So the Celtics were then favored after game one for the series. However, Golden State came back and they came back with a vengeance in game two. The Warriors won at home in game two, 107 to 88. They won by 19 points. That game wasn't particularly close in the second half, the Warriors kind of rolled, which sets up an even series, one to one. Going into game three, the series moves to Boston beginning on Wednesday night, the day this podcast comes out. There's a game tonight. On Wednesday, it's game three from Boston, and then game four from Boston as well is on Friday this week. And then we are going to go to a game five because the series is tied at one to one. That'll go back to Golden State on Monday. So, Plenty of exciting action. Of course, the Warriors are looking for their fourth championship with this core of Steph, Clay, and Draymond. The Celtics are looking for their first title since 2008. Their first one under this group with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and their new young core who finally got over the hump of the Eastern Conference Finals this season. So very interesting series. I know Hillbilly's watching it. I'm watching it. You should be watching it too. The NBA Finals continue tonight with game three so that's the nba the other sports thing i've got to talk about though is soccer huh even though the club soccer season's over which we have documented on this podcast there is a new international window which i have also talked about on this podcast that's happening right now especially for the u.s men's national team who are halfway through their four game international window in june their first two matches were friendlies against two world cup teams two teams that are going to be participating in the world cup Along with the U.S., in November and December, those teams were Morocco, who the U.S. beat 3-0, and Uruguay, who they drew 0-0. Which may seem disappointing on the surface, but Uruguay is ranked 13th in the FIFA rankings. And just last week, just the day after the U.S. played Morocco, Uruguay played Mexico in Arizona. Uruguay won (laughs) 3-0. over Mexico, and you know, Mexico is, but still, pretty good, I would say, for the U.S. to draw nil-nil, even though both teams had chances, definitely, to get on the score sheet, but they did not, nil-nil, so those are just friendlies against fellow World Cup teams, now they're going to be facing CONCACAF teams, 
in the CONCACAF Nations League, teams that are not going to the World Cup, the CONCACAF Nations League, if you remember, last year, about this time on this podcast, it was almost a year ago, I believe, the final of the CONCACAF Nations League, which we talked about on this podcast, the U.S. and Mexico, 3-2, decided by the Pulisic penalty. We all remember that. Pulisic! from this spot and he's denied Horvath with the save of his life well now there's a new Nations League starting up and it begins in the group stage on Friday for the U.S. on Friday the U.S. will play Grenada in Austin Texas kickoff is at 10 o'clock Eastern which is terrible that game is on ESPN plus exclusively on streaming for the U.S. their first Nations League group stage game and then on Tuesday, next week, June 14th, they will face El Salvador in El Salvador. That game also at 10 o'clock on FS1. So, two Nations League games, which expect victories, hopefully, debatable in those two games against far inferior competition, especially compared to their first two games in this window against World Cup teams. Grenada and El Salvador are not going to the World Cup. And actually, talking about the World Cup... When the World Cup schedule was first released, when the groups were first announced, the U.S. was in the group with England, Iran, and the winner of a European playoff, which was Wales, Scotland, and Ukraine. We now know the team who the U.S. will play on the first day of the World Cup in November. That team will be Wales, because Wales beat Ukraine in the playoff on Sunday in what was a very rainy match, and very sad for Ukraine, because the only goal was an own goal, and that was just hard to watch, kind of. But very sad for Ukraine, especially with all that is going on over there. Getting to a World Cup, what only would have been their second World Cup as an independent nation, the only one they've been to was 2006, that would have meant something really special. But they fell just short, which is still something not to knock. But it is Wales advancing out of that group. So Group B... The U.S., England, Iran, and Wales. Two U.K. teams, which, blech. We will, of course, talk about the World Cup extensively on this podcast, but it's not happening this month or next month. It's happening in November and December, which you all know is terrible and hateful. But also, speaking of Europe, the U.K., England, UEFA also has a Nations League, and that's going on right now, which I have been watching during the day a little bit, and I also saw a glimpse of England. They've played two games. They've lost to Hungary and Germany. Germany was, I mean, but Hungary. Yeah, and they're going to beat us in the World Cup. Okay, they're terrible. All right, so that's all I've got right now for soccer, for sports, for politics, for everything, for the Xander's Facts flashbacks. So thank you all for listening. And remember, if you liked all the flashback facts that we had on this edition of the podcast, remember to click the follow button on this podcast, download this episode, Xander's Facts flashback, rate the podcast, review the podcast, go on all your socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. If you've got an account, go follow, like, heart, whatever, Xander's Facts. That's Xander with a Z. Go subscribe on YouTube, Xander's Facts. You can listen on there. You can now listen on Substack, the app, the website, Xander's Weekend Facts, where that is. 
go check that out. Of course, you can sign up for Xander's Weekend Facts by clicking the link in this episode's description, which also gets you to Xander's Facts podcast on that same site. Check that out. Both of those are free. Remember to check out the link tree, which has got all the Xander's Facts links you could imagine, including for Xander's Weekend Facts, for the podcast, for all that stuff. And then finally, remember to tell all your friends, spread the facts, Xander's Facts podcast. And just a reminder that episode 66 of this podcast will be coming out next week. We will be back with a brand new episode, episode 66 on the feed next Wednesday. So remember to check that out. But that is it. That is a wrap on this edition of Xander's Facts, Xander's Facts flashback. Thank you all for listening. And we'll be back with episode 66 next week.